everyone. My name is Maria Thomas, and I work for Allianz Research, the global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors, and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Subron. Welcome to Tomorrow, a podcast where we'll be talking about our latest analyses of economic and capital market developments, as well as our views on trends affecting risk management. Let's get started. The future will be powered by metals, but fenced in with iron curtains. In this episode with senior economists Jasmine Groschel and Anouk Gwanathan, head of corporate research, we look at the importance of critical raw materials for the green transition and what the creation of an organization of metal exporting countries could mean for the global economy. Hello, Anouk and Jasmine. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Maria. Hi, Maria. Thanks for having us. So what are critical raw materials? So um, critical raw materials are actually minerals that are crucial in the energy transition um, because of their unique properties and their importance for climate-friendly technologies. So they're needed in the green transformation. So just to give you an example, um, for example, lithium, nickel, or cobalt are actually essential components for lithium-ion batteries, which are widely used in electric vehicles and also in energy storage systems. Or another example would be um, platinum group metals that are critical in photovoltaic solar cells or in fuel cells, or rare earth elements, which are actually key components of wind turbines or also electric vehicles. Um, so many countries have actually identified and mapped um, some of these critical materials, um, also sometimes um, strategic materials. Um, so the problem is a bit that the competition for these materials might actually disrupt some of the geopolitics or alliances that currently exist because the production might not be able to hold pace with the increasing demand in these materials because all the countries uh, want to reach their net zero targets. So the market for these critical materials uh, that are actually crucial for the transition to clean energy technologies, um, this has been grown rapidly uh, over the last couple of years. So, for example, it actually doubled over the last five years, and it actually reached about 320 billion US dollars in 2022. So a massive increase. And it actually will increase further. So um, the International Energy Agency has actually calculated that um, over the next couple of years, depending on these net zero scenarios that they have. So they have three different scenarios. The demand for these materials will actually increase between two and 4.4 times, um, depending on the specific material. In this context of rising demand, you write that there is a risk of countries creating an OMEC inspired by OPEC. Can you tell us what you mean by this? So what we mean by this is that um, we have been living in a world uh, that was very much reliant on fossil fuels. And that's one of the reasons why uh, the OPEC group and the OPEC plus group um, were so powerful um, in terms of controlling the supply and also uh, weighing on, on prices for, for fossil fuels. And uh, with uh, the green transition uh, that is ongoing and that should accelerate, um, as Jasmine just mentioned, uh, there is a risk that we switch from a world that was reliant on fossil fuels to a world that is going to be much reliant on on metals. And if we look um, closer to which countries are producing um, those those critical raw materials, um, we see that, for example, uh, China is dominating um, the the field uh, in terms of rare elements. Um, It also holds 91% of the global market for magnesium, 76% uh, of the silicon metal supply, uh, but 
uh, it's not only China. Um, country like, for example, uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo uh, commands over 60% of the cobalt market. Uh, South Africa also share of 70% of the global platinum. And Russia, for instance, holds 40% of the global supply of uh, palladium. So if those mineral-rich countries decide to form um, an organization of metal exporting countries, uh, that's why we use the acronym OMEC, uh, they could, uh, well, form a cartel, manipulate prices, disrupt supply, uh, and also potentially restrain uh, global trade uh, for those products, uh, which will pose risk for countries that are highly dependent on imports. Um, and first of which uh, you have the EU, uh, but also countries like Japan or, or South Korea. To close its supply gap, the EU recently proposed a Critical Raw Materials Act. Do you think this will help? Yeah, so um, the EU actually gave out these um, criteria um, and evaluated basically their situation. This has actually been ongoing um, for decades, and now they, they came up with this Critical Raw Materials Act. That was actually potentially meant to raise awareness on the one hand, but also potentially private investments or make companies more aware and try to get them to invest more in, in these critical materials in mining, but also potentially in um, refining materials. So um, the problem is a bit, as Anno just mentioned, that some of the countries actually hold a very high share of these critical materials. And so giving out um, potential rules or criteria from what where companies should actually solve the materials from uh, might be a bit problematic, especially if they might become binding rules, right? So this could actually double the issue that um, there is already export restrictions um, of these um, critical raw material exporter countries. So for example, there were 45 new uh, export restrictions on critical materials in 2022. And already in the first half of 23, 15 new restrictions by exporting countries um, on these materials. So this might actually complicate the situation further that we have the export restrictions and now we have these um, rules or criteria given out by the EU. So, but um, let's maybe go back a step and just have a look at what they actually mean, because that's what we actually evaluated. So we looked at the import reliance of the EU um, in the different uh, materials that they actually um, evaluated, and they gave out four criteria. So, for example, the first criterion was that they gave out the... Um, the rule that um, 10% of the EU annual consumption should come from EU extraction. And what we actually found is that seven of the materials do actually not meet this requirement, um, including materials such as um, rare earth elements, manganese, borat, or antinomy. And the second rule was actually that 40% of EU annual consumption should come from EU processing. And in that, the materials that fall into that category is even higher. So about 21 um, of the materials do not meet the requirement, including um, platinum group metals, magnesium and niobium. The third criterion in this EU Critical Raw Materials Act is that 15% of EU consumption should come from domestic recycling. And there we actually found that four materials do actually currently already meet this requirement. Six materials actually have very good potential to get there, basically. And for other six materials, it might be very, very difficult to reach the target because there might be a change in the chemical process or because of the way they're actually built in uh, some of the batteries or some of the products that they're actually used in. 
And the fourth criterion, the last criterion they actually gave out is um, on single country dependence. So, um, and that is particularly critical um, because, as Anu just mentioned, some of the countries do have a very, very high share in world exports of these materials. And for the EU, we have actually one material that is highly critical in the mining process, that is Borat from Turkey. So uh, most of the borat the EU actually gets from Turkey and six materials in the refining stage. And that includes, for example, lithium from Chile. As Anu just mentioned, Chile is the main exporter for uh, lithium. And um, for example, from China, we get um, germanium, rare earth metals and magnesium. So this is rather critical. And what we actually then did is um, to evaluate this is we did uh, counterfactual analysis. So we tried to evaluate. So if these rules were actually binding, what would this actually Actually mean for EU countries. And if all of them would be implemented, we calculated that the EU countries would actually have lost nearly 9 billion euros of imports in 2022. So a massive loss um, if this is binding. And it's not easy to actually shift from what we currently see or what we had in 2022 to actually meeting these criteria and meeting the demand that is potentially to come in the future. So what can governments do to ensure fair access to these critical raw materials? So that's a very uh, interesting and tricky question for uh, policymakers uh, because we do have a challenging geopolitical environment. Um, so um, they they have a few levers uh, that they can uh, operate. Uh, the first one is that they need to support a favorable trade policy environment uh, so that there are concrete investments uh, in those countries um, that have the resources and, and metals, uh, make sure that uh, long-term investments are made uh, also uh, along with uh, favorable trade policies. And um, there's also uh, a big concern that needs to be addressed is that um, the countries that will be reliant on uh, those exporting countries, uh, such as the EU or, or Asian countries, uh, they need to reduce uh, reliance uh, on on single suppliers. Um, I think uh, the the energy crisis uh, has served as a lesson for uh, for Europe, uh, which was way too reliant on on Russia for natural gas, and uh, the continent shouldn't repeat that that mistake and make sure that it has a diversified uh, supply chain, so that so that it's more resilient um, in case of uh, geopolitic shock or um, any sort of um, supply shock. Uh, the other thing, and um, Jasmine also alluded to it uh, when she was talking about recycling, uh, so there definitely should be uh, more investment into uh, recycling capabilities. Uh, and there is also uh, some leeway for uh, strengthening domestic production of some metals. Um, you might uh, recall uh, news over uh, the last few months that, for example, a lithium mine is going to open in France. Uh, so clearly there are also um, some minerals that are available in Europe. Uh, but the key challenge is to promote uh, sustainable extraction of those minerals because we all know that uh, mining uh, is a very, uh, very polluting activity. So uh, there needs to be uh, strengthening of domestic production uh, with uh, sustainable extraction practices. Thank you very much. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. 
If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too, and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.